Well, good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and uh, I am thrilled that each and every one of you is here. Thanks to our worship team for leading us. What a joy it is to worship a God who does not change. In an ever-changing world, to worship a God who does not change, a God who is constant. Well, I also want to thank our family ministry team for leading us in prayer. What a joy it was, it has been, to hear these prayers for our schools. And whether you're homeschool, private school, public school, we are for you and we are cheering you on. I think it's harder than ever, at least in my lifetime, to be a kid, to be a parent, and to be a teacher. And just know that we are praying for you and want what's best for you and for our community. So thanks for being here. If you're a guest with us today, I know we've got some folks who are going to celebrate some baptisms at the end of service. I know we've got some teachers and administrators and school folks here. Uh, we're honored and blessed that you're here. So thank you for your presence this morning. Well, we're in a series, or we're finishing up a series that we've simply called Anchors of Faith. And you've been hearing from different pastors over the last few weeks uh, about specific scriptures that have been really anchors in their own lives and really an encouragement to our fellowship. And we're going to continue that uh, series today. And, you know, as I was thinking about this day and, and special uh, times of prayer and just having all our school folks, it just brings back uh, so many good memories for me because I started my professional career uh, in public education. Did that for 14 years and have been a coach. And, and this time of year, it's a, it's a special time. It's a, it's a season of new beginnings, new starts, new challenges, and also new worries, new concerns. And uh, it's good to be together and to hit those head on. And I want to give you a brief word of encouragement from God's Word this morning. So I invite you to open up your Bible or look on the screen or turn on your device and I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Hebrews 10 23. This uh, this particular passage is in a particular chapter which is in a particular book of the Bible that is really a letter of encouragement and exhortation to folks who are going through challenges, going through some persecution, going through some imprisonment, going through some trials. And it is a letter that really simply says, keep your focus on Jesus, put Jesus at the center, and don't give up. Keep Jesus at, as the focus and don't quit. That's the bottom line, really, uh, for the whole letter. And we're going to look at a couple passages in that that I think give us particular encouragement as we enter into this season. So let me, let me read these verses. Uh, this is Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. 
I ask now that my words would be clear and true and helpful and that they would bring you glory and honor. I ask that you burn off whatever doesn't do those things. And Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to give you the bottom line, brief word this morning. Let me give you the bottom line and then we'll, we'll break that down. Very simply, when we help each other see Jesus more clearly, we more clearly show Jesus to those who need help. One more time. When we help each other see Jesus more clearly, we more clearly show Jesus to those who need help. I want to break these three verses down to you uh, quickly and give you some key words to focus on. First, go to verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. A couple quick observations. First of all, it is let us. So much of the time we, we approach the scriptures as it's just, just about I and me, but there is an us, there is a community that is implied, not just implied, that is explicit here. Let us hold fast. What does it mean to hold fast? It means to cling on, to hang on, is to hold fast. Hold fast to what? To our, the confession of our hope. This is our profession. This is what we believe to be true. Why? For he who promised, Jesus, is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. Our first key word this morning is confession. Confession. It means to hang on to Jesus. Deep theological truth. Hang on to Jesus. Hang on to Jesus. This is about the content of our core beliefs. This is about our confession. This is about our profession of what we believe. We sang about that, our first song, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus is coming back. We got some baptisms at the end. We'll, they'll have a confession of faith. This is, this is what's on the inside that comes out that says this is true. Paul says in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's what's on the inside to come out and to state that clearly, to hang on to that. This is about our core beliefs. This is about what matters most about Jesus. Here at Community Church, we try to keep, we do our best to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus, who Jesus is. If we get that right, everything else will fall into place. If we get that wrong, everything else will be out of alignment. So let's keep our focus on Jesus. Keep the main thing the main thing. Now this word confession implies a couple different things. First of all, it is objective. It is objective. There is a set of beliefs that are true, that are historical, that are rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. That he actually died, that he actually rose, and it's actually true. 
whether you and I believe it or not, it's true. There's also a subjective part of this. This is a personal application, a personal hanging on of that truth. To say not only is it true for all time, for all people, whether you believe it or not, but it is true for me and it matters. And we are to hang on to Jesus. I was thinking about hanging on and what the, a picture of that. Uh, my wife Kim and I, uh, we're getting to that grandparenting stage, we're getting a little older, working on fitness, working on grip strength, crazy stuff you do. That's our midlife crisis, right? But one of the challenges we do is a dead hang from a pull-up bar. Just get on a bar and how long can you hang? Who do you think wins that challenge? She does. <laughs> I can't beat her yet. But when you're hanging from a bar, no matter how much you're shaking, no matter how much you want to let go, no matter how sweaty your hands get, the bar never moves. The bar never moves. What we're hanging on to never moves. The truths about Jesus do not move. Now, where the analogy breaks down is Jesus is hanging on to you and me. He who began a good work in you, says Paul, will carry it on until completion. So the good news is we are not hanging alone. We are hanging together, and Jesus is holding us up. So the first key word is our confession to hang on to Jesus. The second passage I want to look at, I want to take you to Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's break it down quickly. There is the us again. Us, together, community. Let us consider. Now, to consider is not just this fleeting thought. It's not just back in my teaching days, whenever a kid would say something crazy, and you're like, I don't want to just berate the kid and tell him he's absolutely off, you might say, let's consider that. Let's consider that. It's a nice neutral, teachers in the house, just good advice. Let's hold that up to the light. But in the, in the Greek, it's, it's more intentional than that. It is to think hard. It is to, to hold up to the light. It is to strategize. Let us consider how we may stir up one another. Now, this word, to stir up, or other translations, it will say, to spur on. It's to provoke. Sometimes there's a little bit of needling in that. There's a little bit of pain in that. Uh, some of you know my, my wife, Kim, and our, our family, we just got to take a family vacation last week. We were up in Michigan. It was delightful, not just the two of us, but our three grown children and their spouses, two grandbabies, in a house, all together, thin walls. It was delightful. I may need a nap this, this afternoon. I'm a little caffeinated this morning. But one of the things we did, we are a competitive family. So we had the first annual Gallman Family Olympics. We had spike ball, we had euchre, we had a hill run. I've got some painful video of myself running up a hill. We'll have to be burned. But as you might imagine, there was some spurring on, there was some provoking, there was some needling among the Gallman family. Kim and I did get the most Christ-like 
and middle attitude awards. <laughs> Tra translation, we came in last. But we were, we were cheering each other on. But, but to spur one another on can mean different things based on the context. You can provoke somebody. You can spur somebody on to anger. You can needle somebody to push them over the edge. What the writer here has in mind is to, to spur on to love and good works. Why? Because that's what Jesus was about. Greatest commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's to be other-centered. It's to love. That's our response to Jesus' love. Why do we love? Because he first loved us. So let's think about how we can spur one another on. Key word here is coaching. Coaching. Always be coachable and preparing to coach. That's just good life advice. Always be coachable. This is an attitude and a mindset. An attitude and a mindset. Are you someone who is coachable? I was talking to somebody the other day who was going for a new job interview, and I said one of the things that I always ask whenever I interview somebody is, how can I get at are they teachable and coachable? That's critical. That's critical. That's, that's just good advice for life, but it has a particular meaning here. Are you open to somebody else speaking the truth in love to you? This is critical about being a part of community. This is a key part. I love the way Paul Tripp puts it when he defines true biblical community. He says it's Christ-centered, it's grace-oriented, it's redemptive, and it is intentionally intrusive. It is intentionally intrusive. So there's some strategy, there's some intentionality. How can I encourage you? And are you open to receive? Are you coachable? Are you teachable? It's an important part about being a part of a community. So not only are you coachable, but are you prepared? Are you always preparing to coach? It doesn't matter if your title is teacher or coach or pastor or leader or admit, whatever that is, but are you in a position where you are always looking for coachable moments? If you're a parent out there, you know that that changes over time. What works when they're two won't work when they're 12. Won't work when they're 17. There's some strategy that's involved in parenting and coaching and teaching and speaking the truth and love to brothers and sisters. How can I do that? Now, the good news is we're, we don't just have to rely on our own smart thinking. We have God's Word to shape the way we think. We have the Holy Spirit to be our guide Whenever you're having one of those conversations, do you stop and pray and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Shut my mouth if I need shut. Help me to open my mouth when I need to. But may I always be somebody who speaks the truth in love. Are you always preparing 
to coach, to be helpful. What does a coach do? A coach is helpful. Now, we're to spur one another on for a particular purpose, to love and good works. The challenge question would be, are we passionate, are we most passionate about what matters most? That's a question I would invite the Holy Spirit to work in your own hearts about. What are you most passionate about? Which gets us into our third and final verse and key word. I want to take you to 1025. This is a verse that's going to add some color and some detail to the picture. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. As you see the day drawing near. Let me give you a little bit of context here. There was a first generation of believers who were were dying off. Some were discouraged. Hey, Jesus said he was coming back. He hasn't come back yet. Maybe there's some conflict within the fellowship. Maybe there's some persecution. What does that look like? People were discouraged and they stopped coming to regular gatherings. When things got messy, things got a little bit tough, they ran away and not to community. Why does this matter? Well, the writer says this, as you see the day approaching. What is the day, capital D? It is the return of Jesus. We sang about it. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Do you really believe that to be true? And if that's true, how does that shape the value you place on being together? I've coached a lot of sports for a lot of years. I can't imagine saying to a team, hey, you know what? We got a big game Friday night. Practice is optional. (laughs) You know, if you feel like coming, by all means come. But but pencil practice in, and if a better offer comes along the way, just, just take it. Now I'm preaching. I'm meddling. I'm just saying it matters. It matters. Being together matters. It matters. Why? Because the day Jesus is coming back. How are we being prepared for that day? How are we being prepared for the account that we have to give someday? Not whether we're saved or not. That's not a matter of our performance. But I want to stand before Jesus someday and be able to give a good account. I want to please him. I want to please the one who died for me. I hope you do too. And when we come together, we help each other do that. We help each other see more clearly. So I want you to consider that. I want you to think hard about that. I want you to think about what that really looks like for you. Because here's the word I want to leave you with, and that's consistency. Show up consistently because you believe your presence has eternal consequences. 
we show up to what we value the most. We just do. Raise your hand if you're busy. Oh, come on, everybody's busy. Everybody, that's, that's the pride we take in America, right? Who can be the busiest? But we, if I had front row Colts tickets, would you drop everything for them? You don't have to answer that. You just consider that, right? But I want you to, to, to think about what do you value most? And what do you value not just for you, but for others? We're going to do a couple of baptisms at the end of the service. And, and you know what's so exciting to me? I, I love it when, when, when students make that profession of faith and they get baptized. But what just makes me want to do a cartwheel, if I could, is the community that's around them and the love and support that they have for one another. To, to see them show up. We got family, we got friends who they just show up for one another. So how do we be consistent in the way that we show up? It was interesting. When you think about this particular part, it's all about your calendar. And there are lots of obstacles to the calendar. Lots of obstacles to that. You know, the, uh, a couple years ago, I had a conversation with a guy, and I love him dearly. Um, but he said this. He said, you know, I'm so glad you do your services online. I said, great. You know, we, we, we want to continue to do that. I know that's a good resource for people. But then he said, I can go to the lake every Sunday now, <laughs> guilt-free. <laughs> now, if I were a better pastor... I would have probably said, hey, wait wait a minute. I wish I'd have said that. I wish I would have stopped and said, hey, brother, let's consider what you just said here. Let's let's think about that. And if you're online, don't, please, I'm so glad you're joining us. (laughs) There are times, I get that. I get that. I get that. I I absolutely 100% do. Don't turn me off. But there's something about just being together. Can I get an amen? It matters. Our school folks, I can't imagine when you had to do school online what that was like. Oh, it's good to be together. And let's make it a priority. Let's just make it a priority. And let's be consistent, whether it's being here on Sunday, coming to group, being a part of a class. We've got lots of opportunities. If you're new with us, we've got an opportunity called First Steps coming up where we can get you into the community and help you see what your steps are. So, again, just want to challenge you with those words. Your confession. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? I want you to think about coaching. Are you coachable? Are you ready to coach somebody else? And are you consistent? The great thing, as I said earlier, Jesus doesn't leave us alone. We're not just hanging by the bar with our own effort forever until he comes back. We have a community, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word, and we have Jesus himself hanging on to us. And Jesus did this, uh, before he died, he gathers his disciples in the upper room, and he said, I'm going to give you a meal 
to remember the significance of my death. So he gathered his disciples in the upper room, and he took out the bread, and he, after giving thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup, and he said, this cup is represents my blood, blood of the new covenant, blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. So just as you receive the bread, may you receive the cup. We're here at Community Church. When we come to the communion table, we come as those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus. It's that simple. It's open to all who have put their faith and trust in Christ. Doesn't mean you've had a perfect week. Doesn't mean you don't still have doubts and questions, but you've taken that step of trust. If that's you, you are welcome to join us. So I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, the table will be open. You can simply come to one of the tables, take the bread and the cup back to your seat and receive the elements on your own when you're ready. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your example. Thank you for your spirit that guides us. So as we look back to your death, your resurrection, we also look forward to your return. And may we live in light of that. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Come now when you're ready. The table is open.